Hallelujah. So this is what I feel Father wants to happen in this next session, which I'm going to do my best to finish somewhere around 12 or possibly shortly after. What time is it advertised to? To one. Who knows, you might. Whatever you, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If you all leave and I'm still talking, I'll be blessed. Not by you leaving, but by just what God's saying. <laughs> Let's pray, and then I'll tell you what we're going to do. Father, would you just speak clearly what's on your heart, and would you reveal clearly how you want us to see it? We lay down all of our preconceived ideas that did not originate from you, maybe passed on, maybe picked up along the way, maybe as a result of a good desire or maybe a result of trying to avoid disappointment, whatever it may be, we just simply lay down our will and say, Lord, would you reveal your heart, your mind, your intention? Because the truth, Heavenly Father, is it's not about me and what I want. It's about you and what you want. For us as a church, City Light right now in May 2022, it's not about what we want. It's about what you want. It's not about what we're comfortable with. It's about what you want. And so, Father, would you speak clearly and may none of us get stuck on a point or a, or, a, or a thought that maybe along the way we could trip or stumble on. But let us take the entirety of what you're saying and allow you to speak deeply into our hearts. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, for the glory of the Father, by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. So, the Lord told me before I came, I'll read the phrase, and I'm actually going to step through a whole bunch of stuff that I know is so on his agenda, and so I'm going to honor that as I'm going. If he tells me to lead somewhere else, we'll go somewhere else, but that's where we're going to start. And this is a phrase that he gave me, that this is a time of assessment for the purpose of kingdom advancement. I'm talking for you individually, and I'm talking for you, us as a church. Everyone say us as a church. Us as a church. Come on. You're a member. You're a member. I'm a member, but we're a member of a body. Okay? It's not all me. It's not all about you. It's about the body. And so I believe that the Lord uh, really does want us to assess some things, but not a natural assessment for the purpose of condemnation and feeling worse about ourselves. But a spirit-led assessment for the purpose of kingdom advancement. That's what mature people do. Mature people aren't afraid to go there because 
all of us along the way. I used to think that the spiritual life was I set the course in God and kick back, fold the arms, put the feet up. 30 years later, I'll arrive at my destination. But I've found that this spiritual journey is set and adjust, set and adjust, set and adjust. Not because I'm running away from God, but because we drift, we leak, we, we get distracted. And the Holy Spirit just nudges us. Come on, come on, pick that up a bit more. Come on. It's, you know, you step back from praying or maybe you step back from believing in faith like you used to because you haven't seen some answers. Come on, come on, pick up the, the Word of God. Maybe your, your speech, Steve, needs to just be a bit more gentle or a bit more in love. There's refinement, not because we're bad people, of course, but because we're good people people that God knows that at times we just step a little bit this way, step a little bit that way. Does it make sense? Good people, God prunes so they can be more fruitful. He cuts off some of the things and and shapes us and gives us greater vision and clarity. And I really believe in the spirit that that's Father's heart for this weekend. So are you ready to jump in with me? Um, I feel that the the main thing that is on his heart that I will get to, but I have to, I have to go through two other doorways to get there because that's what God said to do. The main thing for this weekend that God wants me to impart and download now is a focus of being a disciple and making disciples. God is restoring discipleship to the church. It should never have left, but it has. Discipleship has been reduced to a course or a program. That's not what God created it to be. They can be used as a part of it, but it's bigger than that. God has not changed his plan or his commission. Can I hear an amen? And we need to have a church globally and here that is filled with disciples who make disciples. Disciples who make disciples. There are many more Christians or believers than there are disciples. And God has taken the church on a restoration, a revival of discipleship. It's not a new thing. Let's just go back to what God originally intended. Amen? So, In order to do that, what God clearly told me to look at is talk about the church for a few moments and the kingdom for a few moments. Because we must embrace discipleship with the correct through the correct lens of seeing the church and seeing the kingdom. And so the church, um, God's view of the church, the word church uh, in the Greek means a calling out. That's what the church is. It's a calling out. And that's a great place to start, isn't it? It's a, I'm just going to get really close to you, Chris. Praise God. Huh? <laughs> uh, the church is a calling out. Think about that. In, in the world, that's a bad thing. When, when you, you, like you call someone out. They're calling out from the natural, you know, if someone's been, you, hang on, you just called them out. It, it's, like a, it's like a shame thing, a name and shame thing. But that's the opposite of what it is in the kingdom of God and the church. We are not called out as in God names us and shames us. No, is we are called out of some things into some things. 
it, it's more than just get out of hell free card. Uh, it, it, that's not what it is, is it? It's a uh, calling out. And so just let's just take a couple of minutes, and this is part, audience participation. And this is I'm asking you a question, which I just want you to uh, just fire out a few things um, at me. What have we been called out of? Come on, let's just think about it. Come on. Boom. Out of sin, out of darkness, out of the world, out of mediocrity, amen, out of ourselves. Come on, come on. Confusion, this is great, this is brilliant. What else have we been caught out of? Fear, earthly kingdom, brokenness, law, chaos. This is sounding like pretty good things to be caught out of, eh? There's such a wrong view by some Christians. It's almost like God withholds and, you know, following God is losing your freedom and, you know, it's all about restriction. Just think of the things we're called out of. <laughs> we're called out of. And we're called out of these things. That's, that's, that's awesome. And there's so many more things. I think it would do us good at times to pause and on a, on a bad day, pause and consider what God has called us out of. Well, he's called us out. And, and understand, whenever God calls us out, he also leads us into. Everything we just stated, there's an opposite of. Come on. Darkness is light. Death, there's life. Brokenness is wholeness. Sickness is healing. Are you with me? So we must understand that the church is both called out of and called into. And so, there's a, and the reason why I'm starting here before we go to discipleship, if you want all of the next just little bit of time in a sentence, it's this. that the oh no, I think I've actually got it written down. Yeah, I do. There you go, right there. So let's jump into it. Here's the first one. The church is spiritual, not natural. This is what I just feel like we just need to come alive again to. We would say we, we accept that, but our view of what we do in church is so much more naturally based around what we do. We've got to come back to the starting point. The church is a spiritual body, not a natural organization. As I said last night, and God is just stirring me, the church is not an organization to be led. It is a bride to be prepared. Come on, we are the bride of Christ, and we're going to make sure that we are not taking the world's blueprint and overlaying it on the church. There are some things that we need to do, but let's not allow the world system to determine the church's calling and purpose and destiny. We are a spiritual being, and the church is spiritual. The church is Jesus' bride. This is under the church's spiritual, not natural. The church is to be prepared for the return of Jesus. Amen? Come on, church. Leaders in the church. It's not just focused on programs and events and structures and, and business and finance. And, and let's not focus on that. Let's focus primarily on who he is and preparing the body of Christ. Come on. It's about growing people in maturity, taking them off milk and, and getting them onto meat and actually empowering them, equipping them. Come on. Equipping them to know God themselves, to walk with God themselves and to become more like Jesus. The church is to prepare as many others as possible for the return of Jesus. And the church 
is to look like Jesus. I think we've got a ways to go. Anyone else? Or you think it, you've, you're all good. It's those people sitting on either side of you. Come on, we've all got a ways to go on this journey. And God wants the church. The church is spiritual, not natural. Number two, the church is God's, not ours. Man, I just wish more and more people sitting in pews would wake up to that. If we are fighting over things that are not eternally measurable, then there is subtly a greater focus on what we want than what God wants. From how we sit to how the auditorium looks to type of music to lights to structures to, come on people, this is God's. It's not ours. It's God's. But I don't like that. What's that got to do with anything? Respectfully, what's it got to do with anything? Here's the illustration. Because remember, Jesus said, I'll build my church. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. He just wants to come to the church and say, it's mine. It's not yours. Stop fighting about things that's your preference. And saying, oh, it's more than preference. This, this, this makes a big difference. No, what makes a big difference is righteousness, peace and joy and the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God, the grace. Come on, mercy, love. This is what makes a difference. And I, I give an example which really uh, uh, is a great one. If, if I invite you over to my house, you'll have to get on a plane and come over. But if, if I invite you to my house and you walk in and the, you look around and you go, why have you got a TV there? You need to put that over there. That couch, that, that's, that's too far away. You need to push that closer. And um, Why are you giving us those plates at dinner time? I, I like white plates. Why are you giving us grey plates? It's the, if you started going down, what would I... I would go, it's not your house. It's my house. And do you know what? Every one of you, if someone came and did that in your house and just point out things that they didn't like and that you should change, you would... Every one of you, every one of us would go, a bit rude and arrogant. That's not their house. Wouldn't you? Would you? Enter into this conversation. You would. So why do we do it to God all the time? So why do we tell God, I don't like that, I don't like this, I'll leave the church because I don't like this. It's not our house. Amen. God bless you. Okay. The church is to live submitted to the lordship of Jesus. That's under, it's God's church, not ours. Lordship is coming under his authority. His, it's, it's what he declares, I'm chasing after that. And the church is uh, advancing, it's not complacent. The church is advancing, it's not complacent. And the church is to live in the divine power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I think we've seen a restoration of Holy Spirit again in churches. And we're going to go there tomorrow night, a return to Pentecost. That's if that's what God ends up wanting at 6 o'clock. So anything could happen. But a return to Pentecost. Why? Because that's the pattern he sent up. That's what the church was birthed into. People talk about denomination. No, let's go back to how the church was birthed and what the church was marked by. That's what's right. Let's not go denominational. Let's go to original. There's a good quote. 
Someone write that one down. Let's not go to denominational. Let's go to original. What did God declare and set up as a pattern in the book of Acts and the epistles? Because that's what the church is. But it is advancing. It's not complacent. Come on, the church is not retreating. We're not getting outdated. We're not getting surpassed by the world. Come on, the church of Jesus Christ is not going to limp across the finish line in defeat we are going to be triumphant and glorious when Jesus comes back that's who the church is called to be and can I just tell you before we get there that's why discipleship is essential because the church can't be who God has called the church to be who he's coming back for who he died for unless discipleship is front and center the church is corporate, not individual. You know how I said I'm going to finish by 12? Well, we'll we might push that back out a bit. The church is corporate, not individual. So I've said the church is spiritual, not natural. The church is God's, not ours. The church is advancing, not complacent. And the church is corporate, not individual. People say, I'm the church. No, no, you're a part of the church. You're not the body of Christ. I'm not the body of Christ. I'm a member of and we are fitly joined together to make up the body. It's not semantics. It's really important. Because again, it affects what we fight over and what we talk about and what we get upset about and what we leave about and what we fight about. Because if it's all about me, then, hey, I've got a real big say. But if I'm a small part in something much larger, come on, the unity of the Spirit needs to take over my preferences. I've realized that the many things that I've fought over over the years of walking with God my whole life, that I would, I'd, I'd go to battle over someone that believed something wrong or did something different in church, I realized that many of those things were simply my preference that I thought was a conviction, but it was not a spiritual thing that God determined in his word. God is calling us to go beyond preferences and come back to convictions, and conviction should be based on the word of God. Amen. Make sure you don't go too quiet on me. God's view of the kingdom. God's, that's the God's view of the church. You, you're going to notice a, a bit of a pattern here. While the church is a calling out of, right? Being called out of that, called into this. What is kingdom? Because remember, Jesus came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked about the kingdom. They said, When's it, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And he talked about the kingdom of God has come among you. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom is important to the king. What is the kingdom? The word basilia in the Greek means basically royal authority to rule over in a realm and you've got to have these three parts it's not just royal authority it's royal authority to rule over kingdom is not just about serving there's also a rulership mandate isn't part of the original commission to mankind that god created in his image come on i want you to be fruitful multiplied take dominion rule over you actually see the word rule over rule over kingdom you see this multiple times and even in the again god's original intention but here's what's happened and i need you to hear this because some people and some religions 
are fixated on ruling over and taking over territory by human force. We have shrunk back from that sort of language of militancy, of authority, of taking ground, of kingdom, because now it's all about love and grace, love and grace, and love and grace. Well, Jesus spoke about kingdom, and kingdom still applies to the church today, and we need to regain it and recapture the whole thought of the church and the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. It's the royal authority. The king has given us authority. Can I hear an amen? Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority over all that. James 4, 7, you submit to God, resist the devil, he's got to flee from you. Ephesians 6, it talks about that we are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now put on that full armor of God. There is a spiritual battle going on and that's the realm we're called to exercise royal authority over. We're to serve people, to love people, but we need to take captive thoughts and can cast down uh, the, the the strongholds and and we need to be we need to fight against principalities and powers and spiritual forces in heavenly places isn't that what the bible says that's where kingdom is expressed in the militancy it's not against people it's against the force of evil that may be operating but when we attack people we need to go beyond the physical beyond the person before, behind the issue beyond the issue into what is there's an enemy there's a spirit of deception at work here come on there's a spirit of lust here. there's a spirit of whatever it may be god what is happening in the spirit what do i need to take authority over in the spiritual realm so that someone can be free kingdom is important kingdom is important and the kingdom is so here's, here's here's where you might see similarities the church is spiritual not natural here's the first thing about kingdom it's spiritual not natural the kingdom is spiritual the essence of the kingdom is about heaven's culture becoming earth's culture let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as in heaven what is kingdom on earth as in heaven come on it's fear if there's no fear permitted, and I'm not talking about holy fear of the Lord, I'm talking about destructive fear. If there's no fear in heaven, it should not be permitted. Kingdom is, come on, I did not give you a spirit of fear. Come on, kingdom is no. I gave you power, love, a sound mind. Come on, this is with a take captive every thought. Come on, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the washing of the water of the world. If it's not permitted in heaven, we don't have to permit it on earth. That's kingdom. I give you the keys of the, I give you the keys of the, I give you the keys of the kingdom. That's, that's what the keys are for. The keys are not just for you to unlock a room where you can go and sit and relax and just enjoy and sip lattes and watch Dr. Phil. The, the keys are the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Come on, there's a connection between heaven and earth with kingdom. This is what God is saying. And again, why am I saying all this with discipleship? This all lays the importance of why discipleship is needed. So many believers, we cruise through life defeated and living under the attacks of the enemy and we don't know how to put on the armor of God. We don't know how to fight in the spirit. We need to be, uh, train others to do this. We need to disciple others to do this and we need to be discipled in how to do this. We need to walk with other people so that we are the living reality of the church and the kingdom. 
The church, sorry, the kingdom is God's, not ours. Again, remember the king is about the rule of King Jesus through us as his delegated authority on earth. I think we need a great revival and revelation for many in the church that we are actually kings and priests. People struggle with that. But we sing, he's the king of kings. If he's the king of kings, who's the kings? It's us. It says it in Revelation, we're kings and priests. We're to rule on his behalf. Like God's making his appeal through us, where we talked about the ministry of reconciliation. God wants this to be seen through us. Kingdom. The kingdom is expressed through the words, not my will, but yours be done. And uh, the kingdom is advancing. It's not complacent. Can I hear an amen to that? The kingdom requires every believer to walk in spiritual authority. Upon that foundation, and it's half past 11, we're going to step into being a disciple, making disciples. Say it with me. Being a disciple and making disciples. Say it three more times. Being a disciple and making disciples. Being a disciple and making disciples. One more time. Being a disciple and making disciples. Come on, Chris. So, here we go. And if you think you know all you need to know about discipleship, can I ask that we join together in a spirit of humility and say, God, just speak to us afresh. Speak to us afresh. Because I know that I know that I know that I know that I know, like I know my name is Steve McCracken, that God says I need to revive discipleship in City Light Church in this season. If you want to, when's he going to prophesy or move prophetically? I've done that since I arrived. Part of our problem is we have reduced the office of a prophet or the prophetic to someone getting a word about going to Africa. You don't want one. All right, brother, I've got a... <laughs> no, no, no. The prophetic is God revealing his mind, his will and intention through people. What's on God's heart? Being revealed. It's an oracle. It's, it's speaking on behalf of God. Everything I've said in the first session, this session, this is what's on God's heart for us right now. Thus, this is the prophetic word for this weekend. Discipleship is important. Matthew 4. Everyone say, I'm ready to receive. Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20. I've got a lot of statements and things, so I'm just going to flow through. And as A, it's being recorded, and B, I'm going to put a lot of things down on the table for you guys to think about, meditate over coming weeks, and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal more. Is that cool? You know, um, I love what A.W. Tozer said, how tragic that in this evil day we have had our seeking done for us by our teachers. You know, we're meant to whet appetite for us to... There's something when you take what God is just speaking by way of a sentence here, a sentence there, even in this meeting, and then you go from there and you start to lean to God and lean into the Word and go, God, would you, would you speak to me more on this? 
there's something so wonderful when you get rhema from heaven, directly from God, not through someone else. And if I do one thing today, I want to spark and stir, and I pray equip as well. So, Matthew 4, 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19. Come, follow me. If we had that revived in the church, everything would change. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And, I haven't finished talking, says Jesus. And I will send you out to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men. I will send you out to fish for people. At once, again, the church would look different if when God spoke, at once, we left our nets and we followed him. God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the son he loves, the one that God promised. And it says in the very next day, he got up and he set out. This is what the Lord said to me years ago, and I know that I know right now this is a rainbow word for someone in this room. He said to me, the longer you delay, the more likely you will disobey. When God speaks, whispers something. When I've, you translate it to your word, world, but I can tell you right now when I'm up ministering, and I do a lot of it, when I'm up ministering, and the Holy Spirit, because I'm listening the whole, the whole time, there's some things he says to me that if I stop and start to think, is this God, is this not God? Well, I'm not sure I want to go there. The longer I do that, the more likely I won't say what he's telling me to say. So I've made a commitment at a whisper from him. I'm going to jump out and just obey straight away. Why? Because he is good. He's working for my good. And his way is best, even if it's not easiest. And as I was talking to Chris before, I said, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make disciples. Can I just say we need to get past being liked and actually be move into being godly and being obedient? Jesus was not overly liked by a lot of people. We've, we've got to shift back to true discipleship. So at once they left and followed the nets. Come, follow me. Would you say that? This is Jesus speaking here. So Jesus, come. I just come. In other words, leave your present position. Discipleship is about leaving your present position. Come. They were fishermen. That's what they did. They were in their boat. Come. Leave what you're doing. There has come. Follow. What's that? Let me lead. We're not following God. If he's not leading, and if we're making our own decisions in opposition, come, leave your position, follow, let me lead, me, shift your focus from you to me. Right there, that's a beautiful essence of the starting point for discipleship. Leave your position, let me lead, and shift your focus. It's not about your title, your position, it's not about... Our role, it's not about, we've got to get past that in the church. I need you to hear me, please. We've got to get past, I'm this, I'm that. In the church, 
sometimes God calls us out of the position because our starting point is a son or a daughter, not a, not a home group leader or worship leader or an elder or a pastor. No, no, no. Sometimes we need to lay down those titles and just go, I, I'm going to leave the position. I'm going to leave that and I'm going to take a step towards being led by the Spirit and let Him lead. I'm going to get my focus on Him, not on myself. And this is why discipleship is so needed in the church. A lot of believers, we can't get past ourselves. And God is calling us to be disciples and to make disciples. Come follow me. Again, come follow me. What were they doing? They were fishermen. They were on the lake. Come follow me. It is a calling out of what they were doing. What is the church? A calling out. I want to tell you, you can't really separate discipleship and the church. It starts with, are you seeing this? It's a calling out. Come follow me and I will send you out. (laughs) So it's a calling out that results in a sending out. I know this is simple and this is words, but this gets me energized in the Holy Ghost. I have been called out of some things by God, but I've also been called out in order to be sent out. And people that attend church need to have a deeper revelation of them being called out and them being sent out. I will send you out to fish for people, to fish for people. Talking to fishermen who fished in the natural, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. So it is a calling out that results in a sending out on a spiritual mission. They had a natural vocation. Now they've got a spiritual mission. As I said in church last week, no one was created to earn a living. No one was created to earn a living. We were not created to work for pay. We were created to work with and for God, including in our vocation and in our families and in our emotions and in our health and in our churches and in the world. Are you with me? If we had every believer going to in the walk in the doorway of their work on mission as a minister of reconciliation, like, hey, well, I might be doing a job and I might get paid for this, but I am salt, I am light, I'm ready to give an answer for the hope that is in me. Because people are saying, hang on, they're talking about redundancies right now and you're not freaking out and stressing out what's different about you. I'm going to give you an answer for the hope that's in me. We're called out and we're sent out. This is the essence. A disciple, let's talk about it, is a student, is a pupil, is a learner. That's what it means in the Greek. You doing good? Adrian is, the rest of you not so sure. Or you're stunned into silence. I don't know. Disciple, a student, a pupil, a learner. I'm just going to make some statements that the Lord has spoken to me and allow them to land where he wants them to land in your spirit and as, as, as a church. You can't be a disciple if you're not teachable. 
and you won't be teachable if you think you know best or know it all. This is a starting point for all of us at times, myself included. I, I can't be a disciple if I think, if I'm not teachable. The, they, are, they, they just can't go together. Can I just say none of us have ever arrived at a place where we can't learn A from God and A and B from each other. To, to, to say otherwise, there's a, there's, a, there's a level of pride and arrogance that God says, hang on, let's, let's trace that back. Where, where did we see that start? Where do we see that start? We've got, the, we've got Lucifer saying, hang on. Uh, 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 well, why does he have to get old? I've got something here. And I, I want to tell you, uh, I, I said last night um, again, with the, my dad is just such a beautiful model of this. He's, he's about to turn 75. He's been in ministry for over 50 years. He's globally respected as a man who walks with God, hears from God, just is my absolute hero in the faith. But I tell you right now, he walks in such a humility. As only this week, he was talking about doing something, and I just had a check in my spirit. And because I love him, and I shared this with him, and I and and I and I had to share it almost quite clearly, if it if it were. And he listened, and through the spirit of God prompting me, as we are committed to this journey together, of walking together towards God, and iron sharpens iron. Uh, he he goes. I really see what God's saying through you. And he changed his decision on what, what, what is that? That's a humility. It's a humility. He doesn't say, hang on, but I'm the old one. You, you just learned from me. Come on, this, let's remove age here. Let's go back to that we can learn from each other. There's got to come a greater humility. Isn't it true that, again, one of the, the, the cultures of the age that we live in is no one will tell me what to do. That's the culture of the age, and it happens on every level of society. Who do you think you are to tell me what to do? That ain't kingdom. It's not God's way. Jesus himself even submitted himself and humbled himself. As the, the example of Christ is incredible. And I just want to say the starting point is for discipleship is, man, uh, there's got to come a great humility. Humility. Oh, I want to learn from those above me. I want to learn from those below me. I, I want to be. I want to lead those above me. I want to lead those below me. Not lead as in dominate. I'm talking about walking together and having such a depth of relationship. Come on, guys. Let's let's make this about us all advancing in God to be the salt and light, to be the church, to be the kingdom, to be disciples. A disciple is marked by humility, and a disciple is marked by surrender. And a disciple is marked by discipline. Sometimes it takes effort to do the right thing. Is that just me, or is that anyone else in this room? When you know the right thing to do, how many of you always just do it cheerfully? If you, if that's you, get out. Come on. <laughs> we don't always. Sometimes it's discipline. We have made discipline a bad word because we associate it with law. Isn't part of the fruit of the spirit self-control? 
Come on, put off, flee this, fight this, put on. It's, it takes action. It takes decision. Discipleship is an intentional thing that requires humility and surrender and discipline. I'm going to go on this journey because this is God's pattern. Um, I'm listening. Tell me to jump over that, so I'm going to jump over that. If you want to jot down a couple of scriptures, I see a couple of people taking notes there or for the sake of the recording, so you can look at it later yourself. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. We're not going to go there now. Just jot it down. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. Read through that slowly and see what God says. And then Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Go through that. But let me just, in there, in the Ephesians 4, it talks about, that Christ gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What for? To equip. Everyone say equip. The word equip really can be traced back in the Greek to two things. To furnish and to repair. To put in and to mend. You, you, I, I think about it this way. You buy a new home or and you've got a, or you've got a home there and it's, a, it's, it's empty, it's vacant. You go there. That's now your home, right? But it's not livable it's not you're not going to enjoy it unless you furnish it you don't want to sleep on the floor sit on the floor eat on the floor you put things in to to enhance is that right equipping is putting things in today i'm putting some things in that's equipping but it also means to repair how many people know over time even new homes sometimes need repairs over time. Come on, furniture. It's not because it's bad, 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 but over time things can leak or break down or, or sometimes we just need to bring some repair. That's the purpose of the fivefold, to not only put in but also, and I think that Father's part of Father's agenda here today and this weekend is to put some things in but also to mend some things. And I think this is a key part of discipleship discipleship three statements god gave me uh during the week which i absolutely uh love three things and, and maybe i'll lean into a bit more tomorrow morning who knows but equipping people if we want to talk about equipping people furnishing and repairing putting in and mending some things I think here's three things that would be really great if it was the focus of our discipleship. Because discipleship is not about life skills. It's about spiritual maturity. Hmm. Can, can I just point us to the truth of John 3.16, which everyone knows? But the reason why Jesus came was to give us eternal life, not a better life. It's eternal life. Discipleship is not about a better life, a life skills, being a better person. It's actually about spiritual maturity, knowing God. Let me give you the three things that God spoke to me. And that is equipping people to have a deepening relationship with the Father. How many people know that that's a great fruit of discipleship? Isn't that the, the 12 that Jesus chose? By the end of Jesus walking with them, they had a deepening relationship with the Father. That, that's that that's it the second thing is to have a deepening reflection of the sun 
Guess where that comes from? A deepening relationship with the Father. That, that, that we actually becoming more like him. We cannot say we're a disciple if we're exactly the same as we were 20 years ago. Same attitude, same behavior. That's not a discipleship. There is a fruit. The fruit is a deepening relationship with the Father. It's a deepening reflection of the Son. And the third thing is a deepening dependence on the Holy Spirit. If we could get those three in our churches again, my heart just braces like, come on. Let's not make it. The church is not building the so many of the things that we make a focus of. Come on, let's let's make a priority of every encounter with every person, individually and corporately. What's the goal? A deepening relationship with the Father, a deepening reflection of the Son, and a deepening dependence on the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good? Come on, God, I can't do this without you. Deepening dependence. You've got to make decisions. Deepening dependence on the Holy Spirit. Based the outcome of the decisions from eldership to, to board to music to you to what to make the, the outcome of the make the process of it a deepening dependence on the Holy Spirit. Make that part of the outcome is a deepening reflection on the journey, is a deepening reflection of Jesus. Are we reflecting Jesus to each other? And do we end up at the same place? Our relationship with the Father is going deeper and deeper. The definition God gave me about discipleship years away, years ago is walking with people towards God. I like that. Anyone else? Is walking with people towards God. Isn't that what Jesus did with his disciples? And I'm talking, he literally walked with people. Discipleship is not just teaching and lecturing and and speaking, it's walking with people, come on, eating with people, having a coffee with people, but not just for the sake of having food or going for a walk, it's walking with them towards God. That's the intentional part. Loving people is not just walking with people, you walk with them towards God. Some people are in such dysfunction, and so I just want to be a friend, I want to be a friend. Again, fast forward 15, 20 years, they're still in the same place of dysfunction. We, we, haven't, we, haven't, we haven't taken them towards the Father and towards holiness, but at least we're a friend. Come on, this, is that really friendship? Or is friendship walking with them towards the Father, towards holiness, towards healing, towards an encounter with the Holy Spirit, towards the Lord Jesus Christ? This is discipleship, walking with people towards the Father. And equipping, come on, putting into people. I, I, everyone in this room, I can see you sitting down having a coffee with someone, sitting down having a meal with someone where, where, where you're intentional. I want the result of this time. Uh, the result of the time that I want here with you guys, I want to leave on, on Monday to go back to Melbourne. And I, I, I want people in this room, I, I want to go deeper with God. I want to know God more. Uh, I, I, I want to equip, I want to furnish repair, I want to place something, I want to impart into you a desire to go deeper with God. That's what I want. That's really part of the fruits of the ministry here. It's not, I like the good, I like that point, I like that point, I like when he did that, I like when he, no, that's not it. Equip to have a deepening relationship with the Father, a deepening reflection. If some of you this week go to say or do something and the Spirit prompts you and last time you ignored it and you did it and this time you 
listened and you obey him and there's a shift, then man, heaven celebrates and I've got a big smile on my face. Then we've got a deepening relationship with the Father, a deepening reflection of the Son and a deepening dependence. A deepening dependence on the Holy Spirit. Can I remind you, he's a Holy Spirit. John 21, verse 15 to 17. Praise God. John 21, 15 to 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know <laughs> that I love you. And Jesus said, okay, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know I love you. <laughs> I told you before, I love you. Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus Oh, sorry, Peter was hurt <laughs> because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Two things I get from this. The context here is Jesus speaking to Peter shortly after Peter had failed Jesus terribly and denied him three times. And maybe Peter felt disqualified, I've missed the mark. And maybe some in this room and some in the, many in the church today feel disqualified because what they've done. And we've made moments of sin, the biggest things in our lives, where we've said, oh, God can't use me. And Jesus comes like he did, like God came in Genesis 3, where he didn't make the greatest issue eating the fruit, but he made the greatest issue whose voice are you listening to? He also came and said, the biggest thing here, Peter, is not your action, but your heart. Do you love me? I wonder if Peter was going, surely we've got to talk about this, surely. And you, no, here's my question, do you love me? As, as a restating, even getting Peter to say, I do, I love you, I love you. I hear the Lord saying, this is the most important thing. That's one aspect of it. And if you're in this room today and you think you're disqualified, the Lord spoke to me years ago and said, do not disqualify what I've qualified we're qualified because of Jesus, not because of ourselves. It's about his righteousness, not ours. Amen? That's the first thing. But the second thing is I see, and this is where discipleship really kicks in. Jesus wants us to demonstrate our love for him by our commitment to make disciples. He says, do you love me? And maybe on one hand it's restating that Showing Peter, you love me. That's, that's, that's the main thing. But I think it's going beyond that. Because many people say, I love him, I love him, I love him. And he's asking, do you love me? And they go, yeah, I love you, I love you, I love you. Many Christians, I love him, I love him. Well, then do what I ask you to do. Show me you love me. Don't just tell me you love me. Isn't John 15 is very clear on that. Whereas disciples, if we do what he says. It's not about knowing and not doing. Otherwise, it says you deceive yourselves. 
many Christians would pronounce, I love God, but we're not doing what he said to do. Here's a little thought that's coming to me right now. Many times in the church, we're trying to build the church. And I hear the Lord say, I said, I'll do that. You make disciples. We're trying to do God's part and neglecting our part and then getting frustrated why our part doesn't work. Hmm. I'll build my church, you make disciples. But I'd rather try and build the church, Lord. I'm really good at admin. I'm really good at telling people what to do. I'm really good at preaching. I'm really, I'll build my church, you make disciples. But God, that's not really that glamorous. People can be like sheep. They can be a bit stubborn. They don't always listen. And the Lord says, are you talking about yourself? (laughs) That's a bit rude. We're going to ensure we do our part, knowing that God will do his part. I'll build my church, says Jesus, you make disciples. But I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. Great, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Come on, put into people, help people walk towards me. Make sure you do that while you continue to follow me. What did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. Come on, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Praise God. John, I think it's 12, 32 and 33. I think it is. It says, Jesus said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. He said this to signify the type of death he would die on the cross. And I remember when the Lord spoke to me and said, Steve, that's a prophetic reality for us in the church. Watch this, watch this. God speaking. Jesus When I am lifted up from the earth, when we lift him up, when we make it about him, when we talk about him, when we, our life are reflecting him, when we're depending upon him, when we are lifting him up corporately and in the world. Watch this. When you lift him up, Jesus said, I will draw people to myself. But what we do is we focus on trying to draw people to God. He goes, no, you lift me up. I'll do the drawing. This is beautiful. We strategize, how can we see more people saved? Lift him up, he'll draw people. How do we grow things in the church? How do we see things flourish? How do we see people come? Lift him up, he'll draw people. The more we strategize on how to build the church, the more we'll probably get ourselves into trouble. Jesus said, I build my church, you make disciples. You lift me up, I'll draw people to myself. I remember the day when people in my family who were not walking with God, and I want them to walk with God. So I take every opportunity to throw something about God in there and to talk to them about how things could be better. And I, I, I was giving them my best sermon because that's what I do. And if other people listened to me, surely the ones in my family would. And I remember the day the Lord said to me, Steve, I'm a better Holy Spirit than you are. I said, how rude. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. 
we're going to let the Holy Spirit do what he does really good. Do you know what he does really good? Reveals Jesus. When we lift him up, when we talk about him, we're just giving the Holy Spirit just freedom to reveal. Discipleship is not about us changing people. It's about us walking with people towards the deepening relationship with the Father, deepening reflection of the Son, deepening dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Praise God. You got just a little bit more in you? Great. That makes two of us. As in, I've got some more too. What does discipleship look like? What did what does making disciples look like? I've already mentioned walking with people towards God. Making disciples involves corporate learning and private learning. Think about Jesus. He didn't just preach on the multitudes and the crowds and in the temples. He also sat down with the few and had meals with the few. The New Testament church is gathering together and is meeting house to house. We need to understand it's not one or the other. Both are needed. Can I hear an amen? Discipleship happens in the collective. It's happening now. Discipleship happens when there's one-on-one, you know, small, people, small groups of people meeting together. Making disciples, I love this one. Making disciples involves baptizing people into the fullness of who God is. That's a weird statement, maybe, but let me explain it. Making disciples is about baptizing. Everyone say baptizing. We're having this little conversation about baptism uh, in the break. But baptizing people into the fullness of who God is. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, which is the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, kingdom kingdom remember he says now i've given you all authority he's given us therefore in light of the fact that you've got the authority uh, we need a revival of this in the church we need our starting point is we've got the authority of god therefore in light of the fact that you've got that therefore go see i'm going to send you out the bible talks a lot more about sending people out than inviting people in One of the things I believe needs to change uh, more and more in the church is a focus of inviting people that are unsaved and on the journey to come to church and a greater focus on us being sent out and actually being the salt and the light out there. Because there's a fundamental belief system that says, if I can get someone to come to church to hear the anointed person, then maybe they... You and I carry the same Holy Spirit. We don't have a lesser Holy Spirit than the pastor. There's only one Holy Spirit. And he actually wants to shine bright through the person in the back row, in the front row, the youngest and the oldest. And he needs to understand that as he sends us, he sends us with his power and his presence. And lo, I will be with you always to the end of the earth, it says in verse 20. But he says, therefore, go. Because I'm going to come follow me and I'll send you out. So come be my disciple and I'm going to send you out. Go and make disciples. Come on, this is what we're called to do. Jesus will build his church. Come on church. City light. There is a coming a revival and I pray it has a 
powerful um, thrust into it this weekend. Go and make disciples of all nations. And here's this first part here. Baptizing them, fully immersing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Taking them into the fullness of who God is. The greatest question that I believe we can ask when we're walking with people, sitting with people and discipling people. Here's the greatest question I think we can ask. Tell me, tell me, who do, tell me about God. Who do you say that God is? That's the greatest question. Jesus, he, with the context of I build my church is who do people say that I am? And the response is some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the other prophets. In other words, everyone's got a different view of who you are. And he goes, okay, so now let's hone in. Discipleship. How about you? Who do you say that I am? You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Simon Peter, you are so blessed because this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my, my Father in heaven. The greatest part of discipleship is a deepening revelation of who God is. So one of the greatest things we can do when we disciple, discipleship is not get together and have the whole focus on, um, let's talk about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. No, let's talk about God. Tell me, tell me. When you think about God, what comes into your mind? How do you see God? And you go into a conversation with that? Man, that's discipleship. And we baptize them to fully immerse them into the Father. Come on, into the, into the name, to the person, to the character, to the nature, to the DNA, to who He is, into the Father and into the Son and into the Holy Spirit. Yes, I know it's water baptism and immersing Him into there, but I'll tell you that this, it's, it's like a, it's taking on. Again, the, the Greek word that is to immerse, to fully go under, to fully um, immerse is the picture of like a white cloth that, you, 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 there's a bucket of red dye. You put that cloth in and you push it right under and you get it right under there and you lift up this white cloth and now it's red. It's taken on the nature of what it's immersed into. That's baptism. Baptize them into the name. The name, again, what is what? The name is, is so, again, significant in the Bible. The name is, describes who someone is. It's supplanter or it's deceiver or it's blessed or the, the names mean something. Well, baptized, fully immerse them so they take on the very nature of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is discipleship, not teaching people how to just behave, but taking them into the depth of who God is. We need to talk about God more. We need to talk about who the Father is more. We need to talk about who Jesus is more. We need to talk about who the Holy Spirit is more in our discipleship. We don't often go there because we're so focused on what we're going through. But again, if we can lift their eyes, that even though we're walking through something and we're going through something, let's take a few moments. Let's, let's, let's talk about God for a few moments. There's something happens when you fix your eyes on him that we're pulled towards who he is. Discipleship is fully immersing people into who God is. And one more here. Making disciples is teaching people to obey everything that God commanded. Again, flies in opposition to the culture of our day that says 
You will not tell me what to do. It's in schools now. It's in, it's in everywhere now. It's in the church as much as it's anywhere. And honestly, let's just call a spade a spade. There's too many Christians in church. You won't tell me what to do. It's anti-Christal. He says, I want you to go because of the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to fully immerse people into the fullness of who the Father is, the Son is, the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to obey everything I commanded you. I've worked with churches for a long time. Some churches that are fighting, even at an eldership level, about what should shouldn't be done based on... We, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. You can't talk about those things. Just if we talk about grace, 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 that will sort itself out. Let's not, let's not talk about sin. Let's not talk about those things. It might sound nice. It's just not Bible. It's just not Bible. No, teach them to obey. But hang on, that's slavery. No, that's Bible. Because freedom is attached to obedience. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. But don't just know it. Do it. Otherwise, you deceive yourself and say, I'm fine because I know what it says. The devil knows what it says. The devil quoted scripture to Jesus. It doesn't make you godly. Obeying it. Teach them to obey. And that's not teaching them, you need to stop. It's not pointing the finger and saying, let's, let's teach them. Let's, let's, let's go on a journey. We're struggling in this repeated pattern here. Let's talk about that. Let's go to the Word. What does the Word say about this? Do you know that He's given us the Holy Spirit. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through our knowledge of Him, Second Peter 1.3. Let's talk about who God is. I wonder if when people are struggling and we're teaching them to obey, if we talked about God a bit more, we'd be captivated and would actually want to actually listen to the Holy Spirit and do the right thing. Not to be good, but because He loves us so much. Discipleship is a, like a shifting of the lens through which we look. Christianity is not all about being right or wrong, good or bad. Christianity is about being free or in slavery. Galatians 5.1, let me tell you why Jesus set us free. He didn't set us free to make us good. It is for freedom. That's why Christ set us free. But watch yourself so you do not become entangled again by the yoke of slavery. We love people best when we talk about God most. And then... We go on a journey to help them to see the beauty and the wonder and the majesty and the power of God in them that can help them even in their darkest times and their most difficult times. Let's not make it about people modifying their behavior but having an encounter with the God who says, I'll lead you into all truth. Come on, you ask me anything in my name and I'll do it. You can come boldly before my throne of grace to find mercy and to find, receive mercy and find grace in your time of need. Come on, I can do, we can do all things through Christ. He gives us the strength. Come on, well, let's put on the armor of God. We can take a stand against the devil and we can still be standing when it's all said and done. 
And guess what? Along the journey, we're going to make mistakes. So if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, we're feeling condemned, but there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Come on, let's, let's, let's come back to the truth of what God has said, who He is and what He's calling us into. There's a better way and freedom's the result. Freedom's the result. This is discipleship. And Jesus said, make disciples. I'll build my church. You want to see a different city light church in 12 months' time? Go on the journey collectively and individually. What does discipleship look from a biblical perspective in light of what I'm saying here today? And let's do that. Let's do that. Remember I said it takes humility? Gave you the example of me and my dad? Every person needs to be walking with someone that's got permission to speak into their life because we're not an island unto ourselves. My dad, hero of the faith, my spiritual father, has given me permission. Steve, if you feel or see anything because you love me, would you please speak? And I've given him permission. I want to say every one of us needs someone in our life that we can actually give the privileged responsibility of saying, hey, if you see something, speak, because I know you're for me. Because we all have blind spots. We all in different ways might be battle with pride or insecurity or fear. True or not true? And, and there's things that, you know, my, my, my wife, she looks up to me as a prophet. My wife's an incredible prophetic ministry and she learns so much from me in the prophetic, her words, not mine. But I tell you right now, in life, as my wife and the one that I'm called to love and to lead and protect, I learn more about Jesus and the way he is and the way that I can become more of a man of God from her than I do from anyone on this planet. There's just like, she's discipled by me, I'm discipled by her. We Again, if... Let's not get stuck on a word. It's we walk together towards God. And iron sharpens iron. And sometimes there's things that maybe God's given greater revelation or freedom and something to me that I can speak into her and encourage her and sometimes even correct her. And she actually, when embracing in a spirit of humility, she's thankful on the other end. It was only this week that she challenged me on something that I needed challenging on when it came to spiritual warfare and, and not retreating from the enemy when he was coming against me. And she said, come on, stand up. Let's do it together now. And we started to walk around. And at first, I didn't want to do it because I was having a pity party and I was feeling, and so I said, come on, come on. And she goes, you start to pray. And, and I started to pray. And she goes, that's not warfare. Come on, you, you, let's get into it. And this is discipleship, teaching me to obey what God has commanded. Come on, be strong in the Lord. Take on, it's my wife. I'm the one that's meant to protect her and lead her and love her. And in that moment, she's discipling me. Forget about putting a label on it, but she's leading me towards God. And I learned something from her that actually will stick with me next week, next month, next year. I'm going to take it to the enemy. I'm not going to shrink back from him. I learned it from my wife this week. My dad learned something from me and changed his decision this week. Discipleship. But you've got to.
Be humble enough to allow someone to speak into your life. Every person in this room, bar none, we all need to have a humility that says to, it's not saying to everyone in the church, come on, hear the heart of what I'm saying here. But let's not be proud to say, I got it all. Me and God is fine. It's not that God created us to walk in relationship. There's this mutual iron sharpens iron. This, it's just, it's just rights. It's freeing. Everyone in this room needs to be discipling people too. I said to a pastor a little while ago, we got to be careful. We don't look to appoint people to positions in order for them to disciple a certain group of people because we're not discipling people. Let me get really specific. You might think, well, we need a, we need a youth leader to sort of look after the young people. Well, who are you discipling? Who are you literally saying, I'm going to see them deepen their relationship with God, deepen their reflection of Jesus, see them deepen in the dependence on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to catch up regularly with someone and just encourage them and pray with them and look at the Word. Who are you doing it with? I oh, know I don't have time for that. That's, that's the pastor's job. That's the youth pastor's job. That's, that's why we need a youth pastor. I'm going to just challenge you in this room. Don't look for putting people into positions because we're not making disciples. There's enough people in this room. If everyone in this room was intentionally discipling one, two, three other people, I'm just going to go there. You might not need a youth pastor or, or a women's ministry leader. Or a we are looking for people to appoint to positions because we're not doing what God said. That might upset some of you. I'm okay with that. If it stirs the pot, let it stir the pot and land in the place that God wants you to land. Am I saying that you pastors and women's ministry is wrong? No. I was going to say I've been, I've been a youth pastor. I haven't been a women's ministry leader, just for the, to clarify. Um, but here's the deal. That's beautiful and wonderful. But it's a little bit similar to the whole thing of we need to invite people to church so that the anointed person can get them saved, even though I'm every day going to work and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there amongst them, but I can't do it. Well, you've got the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a little bit the same. Once they encounter God and saved and all that sort of stuff, hey, bring them to church and let them enjoy the wonderful depth of what happens in this place. But don't say they have to come here in order to do that. You don't have to go to a youth group to encounter God when you've got people with a lot more life experience sitting here that can impart so much life. Learn from each other. I love sitting with people that have walked with God for a long time. You 
know, I had re- recently just had the privilege of sitting in conversation with Pastor Danny Guglamucci. I tell you right now, it enlarges me. Have a mm, sit down any time I have a conversation with Pastor Russell Evans, I'm enlarged in my spirit. Perfect people? No, none of us are. But I tell you right now, there's something that enlarges the spirit. What would happen if children and youth and, and people along the way had people that have walked with God longer? They actually took them. With parents' permission and everything done in a wonderful way, just says I want to love on them and 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 love on them towards God. And as part of that, you know, if it's a women's ministry, men's ministry, or youth, or whatever it may be, that's beautiful. But it's not. It's not in place of. It's an addition to. I just, I know, I know we landed in a real, you know, real spot. But again, <laughs> let me just ask you a question. Which one do you see scattered most throughout the New Testament? Discipleship or women's ministry? Answer my question. Which one do you see, discipleship or youth group? I'm just asking questions. What do we see? Do we see Jesus building his church, you make disciples and the power of the Holy Ghost and with me being with you? Or do we see you need this program, this event, this structure, this organization, this thing, this thing, this thing? Which one do we see? See Jesus building his church. We have made minors out of majors and majors out of minors. A deepening relationship with the Father is a major. A deepening reflection of Jesus by all of us is a major. A deepening dependence on the Holy Spirit is a major. Type of songs. Lights, the building, programs, events, if they support, if they empower Jesus building his church, us making disciples, where we see people deepening the relationship with Father, deepening the reflection of Jesus, and deepening the dependence on the Holy Spirit. If they support that and empower that, then praise God, bring them on. But if they replace that or become bigger than that, maybe, just maybe, just maybe God has turned what the enemy meant for evil into something wonderful in our world the last two years where he like wiped all the churches, programs and things and structures and been off the map because we couldn't do anything. And maybe, just maybe, he did us a favor and say, how about you come back to my way? And then let me add what I want to add when I want it. My question is not what department are you leading, but who are you discipling? Because discipleship is not generic. It's intentional. It's focused. I can tell you 
whose lives I'm speaking into on a regular basis? Whose life are you intentionally discipling? I can tell you who has a right to speak into my life and who I welcome it and I pursue it. Who's speaking into your life? Who has the right to speak into your life? God is doing something wonderful in City Light Church. But it's time for assessment for the purpose of kingdom advancement. Let's pray. Wonderful, Father. Father, we say in this room, we want to go deeper in our relationship with you. If anyone agrees with me, I wonder if you just even verbalize that out of your mouth. God, Father, 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 I want to go deeper in my relationship with you. I want to go deeper in my revelation of who you are and father i want to go deeper i want to go deeper in my reflection of you father i truly truly the way i treat my wife and my children the way i treat others in the body of christ and those in the world lord i i want if i say something it to be what jesus would say and do i want to people to see my life and walk towards the Father, not walk away. I never want to hear out of my life or out of my dear friend's life in this room or in this church, we never want to hear, if that's what Christians are like, I want nothing to do with it. We want people to walk towards you, Father, not away. We want people to see the reflection of Christ. And God, we want to become more dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Not our understanding, not our smarts. And Father, we make a commitment we will not overlay the world's pattern onto your church. Teach us everything about the church from your word, your pattern. We want to be fully dependent upon the Holy Spirit for everything, always. And Father, I pray in this holy place today. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Ghost, that everyone in this room, that City Light Church, will return to your pattern of Jesus building the church and us making disciples. Father, we want to return to your pattern of following Jesus and walking with others that can sharpen us along the way. But we also want to be intentional. We don't want to just say we love you, God, and not be feeding and nurturing and caring and loving and discipling. Lord, would you show us our part 
in what you're doing. And Lord, I pray for us all that you'll anoint our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to see and to hear what this Holy Spirit is doing. Lord, in our workplaces, let us not focus on the problems, but ask the Father to reveal to us by the Holy Spirit what He is wanting to do and what He is doing and how we can be a part of what He is doing. Lord, awaken our spiritual ears to know and to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach us to be ones that are quicker in keeping our mouth shut when we should and opening it when we should. Lord, that we discern what the Spirit is saying, that we are responders to the Spirit, not reactors in the flesh, Lord. This is not. This is far more important than just myself, Lord. This is about the glory of God. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the church of God. This is about all those that have been destined to inherit salvation through the church being the bride of Jesus Christ, glorious and wonderful, without spot or blemish, triumphant in glory. Lift us up to a spiritual reality of what you're saying and what you're doing. And let it not be nice words, but let us take action. I charge you, men and women of God, right now in this room, I charge you to those that are listening later, I charge you, City Light Church, don't hear the word and just wrestle with it. Don't hear the word and just applaud it. Hear the word and obey the word. It's time for discipleship as Jesus builds his church. We glorify you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I release the favor, the blessing of God. If you're wrestling, wrestle with God, not with someone else. Don't focus on one thing, a little thing. I'm going to ask a favor. <laughs> if out of all of that, there's one little thing that you're struggling with, don't come and make that the main thing if you come and talk to me. Let's go to God. Let's, let's allow God to say, hey, what are you really speaking and doing here? Let's, let's, let's champion each other on. Let's be disciples. Let's make disciples. As Jesus builds his church. God bless you.